0: Hello, 12th House
1: listeners. Welcome. We're so happy that you're here. Delighted to see you.
0: Happy to be back.
1: Living, we... laugh-loving, podcasting.
0: Really get that on a shirt. Get it on a t-shirt. Tweet that. <laughs> we have a really exciting episode today.
1: Normally behind the scenes, but today in front of the scenes, our brilliant podcast editor, Amelia, is our guest
0: today really a integral part of the team, but usually heard, but not seen. (laughs) I didn't mean to do that, but truthfully, that is the case. You hear Amelia's editing talent all over the web because she has many podcasts under her belt, but she has been with us now for a long time editing two podcasts and sharing her genius, making us sound smarter, better, (laughs) faster, (laughs) stronger.
1: more gorgeous.
0: Yes. <laughs> I love of when course. she
1: makes this sound beautiful. It's so important to me. It's, it's
0: <laughs> so important. <laughs> and we were waiting for the day that she would grace us with her genius on the pod. And oh boy, oh boy, is it a juicy episode.
1: The day has arrived and we hope this day never ends because we were going to have Amelia back on the podcast. But today, oh, yes, We're talking to Amelia about how to exist with a intuitive business without using social media, like literally without using it, like deactivate your account, homie, like you're not on there anymore. Delete the account. Delete it. Just get rid of it. Delete it off your phone. Delete yourself off of it forever. What happens? What happens when you get rid of Instagram and TikTok and Twitter? Do you you basically cease to exist or (laughs) can you have a thriving business? Good news. You can have a thriving business.
0: I actually, that's one of my favorite parts of the episode was hearing about her journey through rising to influencer book deal status on Instagram, and then deciding to peace out deuces to the platform and go do her own thing. It's such a good story.
1: It really is. And I think a lot of people, a lot of us can relate to it, especially if you were trying to grow your audience online in the, I don't know, from 2016 on and just how futile that how ha- that can feel and how you can really make meaning of it if you don't grow online that it's something that's wrong with you and that it's your fault when in reality that's totally not the case and it's not even necessarily by the- design <laughs> exactly exactly they don't want you to win the game but we're we're getting ahead of ourselves i really think that we should just let amelia take over from here because mm-hmm. she has so many great little bits of wisdom to share. And if you've been thinking about maybe getting rid of your account for a while or trying out limiting your experiences online, like in social media, I think you'll really like this episode. Or if you haven't been thinking about that at all, but you just want to hear the perspective that it's possible, that might kind of like, you know, help you unclench your butthole around the things like social media that feel so important in our business to like get right when in reality, maybe they're not. So
0: I just generally, I think this is a great episode. Amelia, welcome to the 12th house. We are breaking the fourth wall ish, in a sense.
2: <laughs> I'm like coming out from behind the curtain onto the pod. It's more of a Wizard of Oz situation. Right. Yes, that is apt.
0: (laughs) For those who don't know, Amelia runs Softer Sound Studios, who edits our wonderful two podcasts. Hopefully they're wonderful. Yes. (laughs) And I'm afraid of saying your last name wrong. It's so cool. Can you say it?
2: Yes, uh, I can say it, and it's also you can't really say it wrong because everyone in my family says it differently. So love that I say Amelia Ruby, like roll it together. That's more that. check, which is where it's from. But my family has a whole trivia team called the Silent H because they just say Ruby and they tell everyone that the H is silent.
0: Wow, are you guys split down the middle? Is half the family? It's all about the.
2: Uh, yeah, no, it's just me. Like the rest of my family is very like Midwestern and Nebraskans and don't care. And then I'm like, you know, the grandchild who studied abroad in Prague and like figured it out <laughs> and brought it back. And everyone's like, why yeah. are you bothering? We don't care. <laughs> I appreciate their
1: lore though, like that they're creating lore that you no, know, the H is silent. Like we've just decided that's how it is. So.
2: Oh yeah, my family's really good at the power of a narrative. <laughs> They can tell you how it is. That's for sure. So you come by it naturally because
1: as an editor, you have to kind of create something out of nothing a lot of the time. Or
2: you have to knit together
1: a beautiful sweater out of like a pile of tangled yarn.
2: Yeah, or just like find the gorgeous statue inside the block of already beautiful marble. You know, I wanna give all my podcasters tons of credit, including you too. <laughs> Stab it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of narrative genius, which you are, we are here to talk about one of your main, I would say, narratives or through lines in a lot of the work that you do, which is how to grow your business without social media. Hot topic. I wanna be like burr, 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 burr.
1: Wait, we all spend too much psychic time together yes. we're in each other's ears a little too much but no but i like it
0: i like <laughs> thinking sound bites now and i i yeah. try and figure out how to articulate that to people that don't
2: get it and it doesn't work they never will i, I like regularly i'm listening to like a live workshop and in my head i'm like pause highlight clip like let's hear <laughs> that um like I'm, so, I'm editing it as someone saying it to my face these days it's impossible
0: <laughs> uh, so true bestie so true <laughs> So, Amelia,
1: tell us how this came to be. Have you always been a social media,
2: mm, like, truther? Truther? (laughs) Truther. (laughs) No, I have not. So for folks who are new to me or who I am new to you... I used to be very on Instagram, <laughs> mm. and it started like everybody else started, right? Like I got on Instagram, at least of my, of all how millennials got on Instagram. Like you got on probably in college or right after college. You hung out, you posted pictures for your friends, you posted pictures to like signal the cool stuff you were doing. <laughs> you layered the Valencia filter over the, uh, you know, whatever oh,
1: black yeah. and white filter. You're yeah.
0: like, am I a photographer now? What's happening? You yeah. <laughs> know, yeah. like,
2: oh, I'm sorry, this. Flatline. Oh, <laughs> coffee shop culture. I did it. Yeah, that was 100 me. Like that's all I did. And then, like many of us, I started to share like some con- like more writing, and my captions got longer. And I started to make some content, and it was casual at first, and then it you know just became more and more involved. And I was like basically writing blog posts on my Instagram captions and growing my following. And I really tried to like make a go at it as a micro influencer. And that in some ways was really successful. Like I did some brand partnerships and eventually I launched a podcast. I got a book deal. I launched a book and I grew my following to just under 3000 followers. So very micro in the scheme of things, but all organic. There was no paid ads or anything I was doing to grow that. And it was just through my community and talking about the things I wanted to talk about, which at the time were, I really kind of had two big content pillars. One was like selfies for self-love and one was feminist mantras and affirmations and kind of feminist education. Because at the time I was doing my PhD in philosophy and feminist theory. So I was trying to bring that to a very different audience than I had in academia. And then also like posting pictures in my underwear and talking about selfies as a radical practice. (laughs) So so yeah, I was very online for quite a while. Yeah. I remember that's how I
0: think I first found you was through the selfies for self-love. And I was like, this is a really wonderful take on I felt like especially at the time what was such a beginning the rise of this backlash towards let's just say influencers as a broader term and like selfie culture from boomers in a way kind of looking at millennials being like what's wrong with them and their selfies and I think with your lens of having the feminist perspective just naturally woven into that, it was a really refreshing take.
2: Yeah, it was really fun.
0: Yeah.
2: And I really, like, I talked about different theories of the gays and, like, the male gaze, the female gaze, mm-hmm. the oppositional gays. And I used to teach a little course and we had, had practice groups around it. Like, it was, it was really fun. And I was definitely, you know, kind of following those models we see out there of, like, You've got something to say, you start sharing it, you build content, you build courses, you kind of sell those things to a small audience and you work on that organic growth and you you see where it goes. And then, you know, sometimes you do get like the book deal and the stuff that you're kind of promised will, will come from that, which then leads to where I started to get super disillusioned with social media and started to step away from the platforms for a lot of reasons, I guess.
1: I have like a couple of things in my head of first I just want to ask for you as someone who's you have a literally you're a doctor you have a PhD sometimes we like lament I think on social media the fact that we have to sort of take these nuanced topics of conversation and sort of like beat them into submission to be something that's like bite-sized and understandable and swipeable and shareable and I'm curious if that was that journey for you was it interesting was it helpful in sort of like figuring out your position and where you stood and how to teach people or did you find that you're like actually like this is not getting this is not doing anyone a service like i'm i'm curious about that because obviously you ended up writing a book yeah kind of a splat of a question but what do you think
2: yeah no i think that because at the time i was in grad school I was writing my dissertation I was teaching classes taking seminars I like lived in this extremely academic world like going on Instagram and speaking a totally different language it felt like was mm-hmm. really refreshing mm. and also I will just say I never underestimate my community or my audience or my followers at the time I think a lot of those arguments get made and I hear them too around like there's no nuance on the internet, and like people don't wanna don't care and I think that's true in a lot of spaces, but I also think people underestimate like especially in a small platform, you can really curate who you're for and who you're mm-hmm. talking to, and you attract the right people and bring them to you and then like I was able to have super nuanced conversations with totally. my community on Instagram, and I know that's not everyone's experience and I think as you grow, that really changes, like you get a lot more of that sort of reactionary response and perhaps feel the pressure even more to really dilute what you're saying. I don't think that was my experience. I just loved being able to bring kind of things out of to use a different metaphor, like, you know, the ivory tower Mm -hmm. of academia and try to like share it with people who I really saw grappling with these big questions in their lives. Like, you know, with the selfies project, it was like, How do I like the way I look as I am? Like it's. I think that what's been interesting is you know people were starting there because we've had all these great narratives around body positivity or body neutrality or um, body liberation. But then it's like, but how do I actually do this? Like you can hit me over the head and tell me I'm supposed to like myself now, but like that doesn't actually give you the tools to like yourself. And I think that what I loved in a lot of the feminist readings and practices I was engaging in is like, I'm like, there are tools here. We just need to share them and we need to figure them out together. And I never felt like I had to dilute that to share it on social media, at least at like the level I was at. Although my, again, caveat will be as you grow, it changes. And I think a lot of people feel that, right? Like there's like kind of these moments where like, even for me, like you kind of cross like 2,500 people and you're like, I don't know who I'm talking to anymore. And you cross 10K and you're like, I maybe know three people here, and you cross 100K and you're like, oh, I don't know (laughs) who's around. It's
1: almost like the bigger you get, the more you're just like, oh, I'm not talking to anyone, at least in my experience. Like Mm -hmm. on email, I used to be so much more afraid. And this is part of also just having experience, right? I would be so scared to send an email to 100 people because I'm like, I know these people. Like, I know who's reading this and I can like open it up and see who's reading it. And I want to barf. That's horrifying. And now I don't even think about it when I send an email, except sometimes when I see the number of like, this is getting sent to whatever, 73,000 people. Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, (laughs) that's crazy. (laughs) Anyway, let me go on with the rest of my day. I just don't even, I don't even think about other people on the end of it a lot of the time.
2: Yeah. You're doing something really different when you're speaking to a small audience than when you're speaking to a large audience, even if like you're just doing the same thing. I think that's what's hard for people. Like you're just sitting down and writing the email. You probably have a very similar process to how you did it when it was a hundred people, but it means something really different to you and to the people who are receiving it. And everybody's expectations have really shifted. Mm -hmm. Like. I think that was part of what I noticed, too, and what I've seen now for for clients and other folks I work with who have different sizes of audiences where, you know, if you've got 100 people on your mailing list, you're really hoping like 60 or 70 or 80 of them open right. it. Yeah. If you've got 100,000 people on your mailing list, you're like, oh, my God, 30% open rate killed right. it. Like, right. it's, it's just a totally... The scale is different. The scope is different. And that's a lot, I'll just say, like to hold in our bodies and our lived experience of writing an email. To have to hold all of that when you sit down to write, it's really challenging.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you practice, I mean, I'm sure you felt this way, especially as you were saying, like, my captions were getting longer, like your content was evolving. You were evolving as a creator. Like, you change and your audience changes. It's tough to say, like, well, where does that? like where does that change in perspective exactly come from? It's kind of an amalgamation of
2: everything. Yeah, you can't locate it in one place. But what I do think is kind of a common theme I see shifting now is just so much discontent. In the space between I'm here making content and my follower, subscriber, listener, whoever is like so far away from me, I can't even see them because of how social media platforms have reshaped the space in between us Mm -hmm. like neither one of us has moved but we like can't see each other because I think it's just gotten so opaque and cloudy and and people are just really frustrated I mean the sentiment has shifted from all of us are on Instagram and we love it or even all of us are on TikTok and we love it to like do we like it do we want to be here what is happening I'm so online but why am I ever online (laughs) (laughs) is what I hear a lot
0: (laughs) Yeah, and you feel, I feel like as social media platforms start, you feel as the user, oh, I'm taken into account here as the priority and then as usually these venture backed social platforms grow, you're like, oh wait, 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 it's ad dollars. So I need to get out of the way and whatever product is, you know, pushing the ad dollars, that's what's going to be prioritized over the user experience. And you just feel it so quickly. And with people whose livelihoods have been dependent on these platforms, like so many of us and so many people we know, you just feel resentful, but then you're also caught in the loop if you don't own part of your IP because of the platform or your community.
2: I was thinking about this a lot while I was working on the episode of Good For You that you did with Kate from Embedded newsletter Mm -hmm. and something that she talks about in that episode everyone should go listen to it. Um, (laughs) It's just that she really lays out the ways that, and you were all talking about TikTok. I'm more familiar with Instagram, but I think it's true both places that like We get sold this promise of virality. We get sold a promise of easy, huge audience growth. That's like Mm -hmm. the promise that they're selling us when we're in these, when we're making content for these spaces. And as a result, money, it's like, we're going to give you this big audience to be so like, you're just going to get it. It's going to magically appear. And then you're gonna be able to make a lot of money off of that or from the platform itself. And then we all start, like, working toward that. And they, like, sprinkle in enough of that, like, oh, you went viral and you went viral. And, like, at this stage, I mean, I have a ton of friends making content on TikTok. And it's, like, all of them have had, like, the one viral moment. Like, Mm -hmm. I... I think TikTok, of course, has like figured out like here's how after you make this many posts, we'll give you this one viral. So you really get hooked and then you make. That's exactly how the algorithm works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's an algorithm now. It's a formula. It's what they're doing to hook us. And I what I liked that Kate really pointed out in that conversation on Good For You is that when you're in on social media, you're just chasing that. And as soon as you figure it out, it is in the platform's interest to change the game. So Mm -hmm. you keep chasing, Mm -hmm. like you, they can't let you rest on your laurels and have it figured out and know how it works. Like that's not in their interest as people who want to make money and need more of your time on the platform. And I think as business owners, so most of the time when I'm talking about leaving social, I'm talking to small business owners, like What's really dangerous about that is we build a lot of skills in making content for a platform, but then like they it just changes all the time. And it's so different. Like there's so many ways you can build skills in your business that like you get to have those skills forever. And they get to apply in all these scenarios. Like if you get really good at doing sales calls, it doesn't matter whether they're on the phone or they're on Zoom. Like it doesn't, it's not platform specific. Like you can just skill build and then use that to grow your business kind of in perpetuity. And I just worry that I do see a lot of people I love and adore running really cool businesses, but like the skill they're building is just chasing the algorithm. And I don't know that that's the skill that's going to benefit their business long term. I, I worry a lot for my people. That is uh, so well said. A good
1: take, I think, because mm-hmm. it's almost like um, you're reverse engineering. Like, okay, I think that having the ability to create content is like a recession-proof skill. I'll say it forever Mm -hmm. and ever and ever to make things, right? To find a narrative, to understand a customer, to be able to talk to someone, to talk to anyone. But a lot of people are sort of reverse engineering that experience and making content specifically for a platform. And they don't really understand maybe the mechanics of like, well, what is so wonderful about what I just made? Why did it resonate with someone? And it doesn't mean that they're not capable of it. Just you're moving so fast to keep up, to run your business mm-hmm. on these platforms that maybe you don't have the, just the, the, the space to like really understand and metabolize what you're doing, why it's working, and then continue to improve
2: your skills over time. Yeah. And sometimes you're developing skills you actually have absolutely no interest in <laughs> utilizing, like <Yeah>. video editing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah right. yeah exactly. 100%. Like it's
2: really cool if you get r- if you're on TikTok and you become an amazing video editor and you pivot that into a video editing business. Like that is a brilliant strategy. Do it. But like most of the people I know on TikTok have no interest in ever editing a video outside of that platform, oh, right? right? So we kind of skill build in places that don't follow our like desires and passions and joys. Um and I think that that is also just dangerous as people with limited time and energy and capacity in the world i think about that all the time with
1: youtube where and like youtube fashion influencers or vloggers where i'm like because i if i try to make a youtube video i'm I'm so bored i can't i can't edit it i have to do it in one take because like i'm just it's not it's not gonna happen and i'm just so so impressed with the fact that they figured out i don't know all these editing soft all the editing software like that's incredible but then to your point that's not like what they love to do. And of course, they're getting burnt out because they have to put up a video every day.
2: Yeah. And it's so much time mm-hmm. and energy. I always think about the behavioral
0: psychologists that these platforms hire to help figure out the algorithms and, and keep up with that. And I'm like, how how do you sleep at that? <laughs> how? <Yeah>. How? <laughs> <laughs> but I am someone, admittedly, chronically off social media. I really struggle to be on there on a personal level. I don't find a lot of joy in it, and then I have an on-again, off-again relationship with it. But I would like to sometimes have a, let's say, healthier relationship versus hot and cold but one of the things that I feel like I hear people say a lot is, well, what is marketing without social media? Social media is just intertwined with marketing. So how do you really define that as that's such a sticky kind of category? Right. And yeah, how did you make that jump? Because I think we
1: we left off on the story of like, you got disillusioned, and then we had a little ellipsis. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I will. I'll share. I'll tell this. I'll finish the story, and then I'll dive into yeah. everything that marketing is without social media. So So I got a book deal in a slightly magical way. I had run a podcast that I had done Kickstarters for and crowdfunded. I'd raised like $13,000 to launch this road trip podcast I was running called 50 Feminist States. And a couple of years after I did that, or maybe a year or two after I did that, I got this email out of the blue from... An editor at a publishing company who had been tasked to like go find podcasters they could do books with. And this editor had found my Kickstarter, had found my website, had realized that I'd already self published a book and was like, okay, this is low hanging fruit. We can just like, let's just redo your book. So that's how I got a book deal. So I got a book deal with a much smaller following than many people. Do like Mm -hmm. often when people query for books and agents, they'll be like, you only have 10,000 followers, you only have 20,000 followers, like we're not interested until you Mm -hmm. grow your platform. And as a result, during the book process, I really got pushed to have more followers. And I really, I went all in. I mean, I spent most of my advance. Getting a new website, paying a social media strategist, getting new photos—like really investing in my platform—to try to make my book successful. Because that's mm-hmm. the other like secret no one talks about in publishing anymore—is like your publishers—they pay you to write the book, sure, with your advance, but they don't put a lot of money or
0: they have team no budget. Right. Yeah. yeah,
2: you really get very little support unless you're, you know, a New York Times bestseller at a huge top five publisher, top, big three publisher. So. I did all of that. (laughs) And then I like worked really hard and I was looking around a year later and I was like, what did I get out of this? I was like, well, I got about like 100 followers a month and my book sold 3000 copies, which is nice, but like never going to make any royalties off of that. And I was just kind of sitting there in the ruins of that. And I was like, I got sold this big fat lie, Mm. (laughs) frankly, like, and I bought in and I bought in so hard And I really did the work like I'm not over here being like, oh, I'm I'm wise. I was never on social media like, no, (laughs) I bought in and I tried my hardest and I really had to come to terms with like, this is not going to happen here for me. I'm not going to be an influencer. I'm not going to sell my like content in this way at this scale. So I decided to leave social media and in that process I did what I do best, which is I made some more content. (laughs) (laughs) And what I made was a list of 100 ways to share your work without social media. Mm -hmm. And that piece of content has really traveled all over the internet. It's been viewed thousands of times. It's been translated into Korean and published in this really cool zine they sent me. It's really, I think, hooked people because of exactly your question, Wallace. Like, what is marketing without social media? Well, Frankly, it wasn't even that hard to come up with a hundred things <laughs> right. that it could be. I did that like in an afternoon. Yeah. And on that list is everything from like start a newsletter list to like mm-hmm. pay for a billboard to like call a put friend. Up pasties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gorilla marketing. But Put today. up pasties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bumper stickers, like put a sign in your yard. like mm-hmm. all of these sorts of you know some of them are very, I think, kind of throwback mark like to how people used to market before the internet. Mm-hmm. And then some of them were much more like, um, you know, I was doing this in the a moment when like clubhouse was like blowing up. So I was like, you know, join these sorts of online conversational spaces that's like not on social that's not Instagram. That's not social media in the same way mm-hmm. or like, and a lot of it, honestly, was just also direct sales. Like email yeah. ten people you know and tell them how they can buy something from you. People forget about oh. that. And
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's how you just have to like I think being cringe is very popular right now. That's like one of the most cringe things to do, right? Is like to ask people to buy your thing and put yourself up to be rejected, <laughs> like to your face, because that's really hard.
2: But that's just that's how you do a business. All these people that we're like we see and we aspire to be who have these giant online platforms, Mm -hmm. like most likely they've had to do some of that really cringe direct selling of themselves and we just don't see it anymore because now we see them pitch to this huge audience and it never feels that way. But, you know, really what I've come around to, and this is like a harsh take. Most of us, I think, when we are promoting our business on social media, we're just scared of actually selling to individual people. And we use social media as a cop out because it's way easier to put up a post and then complain that the algorithm didn't show it to anybody and it only got 10 likes and nobody bought my thing mm-hmm. than it is to actually in like reach out to people and ask them to buy your thing. And that sucks. I hate it. I tried to avoid <laughs> asking people to buy my things for a long time. <laughs> I get it. I'm not here judging anyone who's listening or who just like turned this off and was like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just, I think it's, it it's, it's what ends up happening and I see it constantly. And I will say, I think there are certain businesses that thrive on social media. And I think that I'm speaking mostly to my fellow service providers. I think a lot of product stuff, like that's a totally different ball game. You're like, you know, you're trying to go on shark tank. You're trying to make the next scrub daddy. Like that's, a, you're probably not sending one-on-one emails asking people to buy your scrub daddy, but like, you know, you're selling podcast services, you're selling copywriting, you're selling whatever, like social media is not where it's at. Like relationship marketing is where it's at.
1: Well, especially mm. if you are a service provider to your point, you have limited time, right? You can only take on so many podcasts that you can add it. I could only write for so many people as a copywriter. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to achieve scale. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't want to have a wait list for the next four years for my copywriting services. No one's going to sign up for that. That. What's the point other than like maybe a vanity metric or making me feel popular and important? Mm-hmm. That's not actually that useful. So to your point, you don't necessarily need social. But I am curious, you went dark, right, on social media? <laughs> why, yeah. why the extreme? Like the black, sort of the, why... Because I, I think a lot of people, when they come to the realization that you did, that like, wait, I'm not going to be a mega influencer. I'm not going to get a million followers. Um, this isn't going to be the way that I like make my money um, mm-hmm. or run my business. They take it personally. And they're like, well, it's because I didn't get it. Mm. Not your perspective, which I think is correct, which is like, no, the the game was never stacked in my favor. Yeah. And they kind of like just shut down on social and maybe share a little less and like don't try as hard and maybe lurk a little bit more. And Mm -hmm. every now and then we'll like throw something up there. They're still using social media, just not as like intensely as they used to with the fervor that they, you know, when they were trying to accumulate followers. So is it, was it a personal thing? Like you needed to go cold turkey in order to maybe, I don't know, get out of it altogether? Or what was the reason? What was the reason?
2: So it was actually a values alignment issue Mm -hmm. for me. So I think the piece, the way I've told the story so far is really like my personal journey that I went on. But the other thing that started happening around when I left social media was just a lot more news coverage around how Instagram and TikTok track us on our phones, how they monitor our spending behaviors and our viewing behaviors, and then how they use our viewing behaviors to coerce us into buying things. Mm -hmm. And you know, I was working so hard in other areas of my life to really like liberate myself from that level of coercion and oppressive Mm. systems. And and I was just like, I am not here for this. Like, I I think living and acting in alignment with my values is really important to me. And I just saw this real lack of integrity and how these platforms are operating and what they're selling us and how how our own behavior happens on them. And so I decided to step away for that reason. And the secret is, (laughs) I like still have a finsta and will like occasionally <laughs> post a picture of my dog for like my six friends like it, you know it's still there but I think at the time like what really got me to leave was just the values piece of I was like I cannot say I'm about all the things that I'm about and still be here anymore like it just mm. won't it won't work for me it's not gonna do it I want to be more true to myself, I guess, as like cliche as that sounds. No,
0: but it becomes exhausting
2: to your point when you're out of
0: alignment with your values, then like that is the surefire path to burnout like very quickly. We're taking a quick pause to talk about Open,
1: one of our sponsors. Open is a mindfulness app built to transform your life. And boy, oh boy, can I just say Open has made the last eight months of my life a lot easier. (laughs) Because I've been pregnant and uh, definitely not going to yoga class, definitely not going to Pilates, definitely not going to any meditation classes just because I have been really sick for most of my pregnancy and then very swollen, Shrek feet, Spongebob feet. It's just not a cute look. And being able to exercise from home at my own pace and my own timing on the open app has been a godsend. And when I don't want to exercise, when I'm having a spiral panic attack about the fact that I'm bringing a human onto this planet in 2020, I can just turn on a meditation and bring myself back to center. It is chef's kiss amazing.
0: I use Open to fall asleep. I use Open to do many breathwork sessions. And I also love their Pilates. They have the best music curation they have really amazing guides we can't say enough positive things about them and you get to try them free for 30 days which is an amazing deal (laughs) because it's such a premium subscription and it's just a beautiful experience through and through so we will link your 30 days free in the show notes don't miss out honestly go sign up
1: with open.com backslash
0: holisticism (laughs) One of the things I feel like we hear a lot and is very, I feel like, prescient in this conversation is the conversation around being canceled Mm -hmm. and that people will say, well, I feel like I need to market on Instagram. I really want to and want to be online, but I'm afraid of being canceled. And while we're talking, I'm kind of thinking, is that really it? Like, is that really? I'm sure some people are, but is that really the fear that we mostly have? And I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that, just with your experience, both personally, but with business owners.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it often when people say that it's just like a deeper fear of visibility in general. Like I have a lot of thoughts separately on cancel culture that are maybe yeah. less about like our, whether it's our actual fear. You know, I really love like Adrian Marie Brown's book, like we will not cancel us. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great resource to go to, to like think about cancel culture in general. And if you're someone who's like, yeah, I can't be online because I don't want to get canceled. Like I would say go read that book (laughs) because what I normally I'm like what do you think you're going to be canceled for like what are you talking about or doing and then what actually just ends up coming up is that fear of visibility and that fear of vulnerability like it's a fear of visibility to step out there and say I'm doing my thing but at the core of that it's just like the inherent vulnerability of like offering something in the world. And that's so hard and scary. And frankly, most people never do it, which is why they don't become business owners or become creators or become artists, because it's so scary Mm -hmm. to offer something to the world because Mm -hmm. the world can turn it down or the world cannot care or the world can say no, or the world can, I mean, can cancel you. Sure. But like, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I think normally we're more afraid of the rejection or I think no one caring. And giving up control. I think mm-hmm. is what that is,
1: right? Like mm-hmm. we can pretend like we're in control by withholding, you know, from the mm-hmm. world. Totally, but we never are. <laughs> like that's the lesson of life: is like we're not, we're not controlling this stuff. Like we can orient ourselves on a path, but we have no idea how that path is going to turn out. We just kind of have to be happily responding or like responding in general to the world around us and um, and trying to figure it out on our path on, on the way. But that's horrifying especially if you want to be seen as perfect or good or whatever it is you've been told you need to be, like makes you want to throw up, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of why people will often prefer social media to those sorts of like direct conversation and sales techniques we've been talking about, because especially when we look at Instagram, I mean, that's a platform of controlling your own image. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. And it's a space where you can make like the perfect post. And Mm -hmm. I think that Yes by posting it you open yourself up to it failing or it not being received like you lose that control. However, what happens now is you can just blame that on the algorithm, right? Yeah, so absolutely. so you can stay in this feedback loop where you're like I'm doing all the right things. I'm doing them correctly. I'm really I'm doing well. I'm good. I'm making the perfect things and it's just the platform's fault that it's not going well. And while that is true, I do blame the platform. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm with you, but there's a caveat here which is that like if you're not doing anything else, or you're not putting your stuff anywhere else, or you're like you don't have a business. You have like a series of nice posts. Mm-hmm.
1: We also can control immediately our relationship with other people. We can block someone when we don't like mm-hmm. what they're saying about us or to us, or we don't want to hear their
0: feedback. We can mute them. That mute feature, I feel like says so much about human <laughs> yeah, yeah, psychology totally. and people just being like, just mute them, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't-
2: laughs> Just avoid the uncomfortable interaction you don't want to have.
0: (laughs) Which you can't avoid IRL unless you don't leave your house. Um
2: (laughs) Which during the pandemic, we all didn't leave our houses. And I think like our ability to tolerate that discomfort has gone down as a result. Like 100 percent, you know, and that's not anyone's fault per se. It's just like. I think it pushed us even deeper into these spaces where we we wanted that control even more because we lacked it, you know, throughout so many other areas of our lives during the past few years. And so but I think like where I come to all of this from is still that. I want all of the people I see trying to start businesses, I want them to succeed. I want them Mm -hmm. to have successful businesses on their own terms, whether that means like a side hustle or it means like we're going to replace your full time income with a business, with your own work. I just think social media is rarely the way that that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's often the first place we go, right? Like you want to start a business, you claim your handle, you start making content. And I see a lot of people who just have made a lot of content and never got around to actually starting the business because mm-hmm. they went to Instagram first instead of, you know, for me, it's like, go to your notion doc or go to your piece, your notebook and like, figure out the offerings. Like it's a business, what's for sale, build your community, build your network, build that sense of trust with you. So that when you put these things that are for sale on sale, people want them from you. And I think that's what works. You know, like I said, before, I used the word phrase before like relationship marketing, it's like that type of network building and genuine, like offering to people what you have to offer and directly (laughs) offering it to them. Like I think it works. There are a lot of businesses out there that show that, including my own. So, you know, the next stage of the journey for me after going dark on social media, I left my personal platforms up. I wanted the archive of me to exist. But then I launched my business with like a website and I sent like 60 personal emails to people. And I did that in September of 2021. And then last year, so 2020. 22 was my first full year in business and you know i as a one person business like grew that to we did just over 90k in revenue last year so like amazing. it's working it thanks yeah snaps, i like snaps. to share real numbers i think yes, no one says true. like how much money they make but when i'm saying this i'm like i made more money myself last year than i'd ever been paid from a job wow. before that so isn't that such an amazing feeling
0: incredible it feels
2: it was so hard i'm not gonna, it was so hard but it feels so good <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: I mean, that's the other thing too. I feel like there's this last thing about the lie that is social media that is sold, but it's this dangling carrot that it should be so easy to just launch something online that keeps people on there for so long trying to launch something before, to your point, they get to the fundamentals. And I think the idea that things should be easy all the time, I feel like somehow social media really seems to perpetuate very quickly the American dream of the get rich
2: quick dream. I would agree with that. I think it absolutely does. Like the promise of virality is yes. the promise of becoming a millionaire just wrapped up in a different box, <laughs> like yeah. wrapped up in in our little, in our phone boxes instead of, you know, the gold mines, right? Like it's, it's the same promise and the same dream and the same trap that like the few people that do make it big and get rich, like entice more and more of us to keep trying and going for it and just continuing to pour all of our energy into those areas. And I also agree with your point, Wallace, like we do get sold this idea that it it can be easy or it should even should be easy for us. Like, why are you trying so hard? Like the cringe moment is a lot about like, it's all wrapped up in like, oh, it's so cringe to try hard. It's also wrapped up in that thing that Kate pointed out of like, you can no longer just post a TikTok and pretend you don't care if it goes viral. Like that's not an option anymore. So like we now we need cringe because it's like it's too it's too transparent. Like we, yeah. we all see it. There's no making TikToks without like everyone being like, yeah, you hope this will hit. Like, yeah. and, it di- and it didn't. So yeah. like it, it we are really wrapped up in that and that sense of ease. But I think it's just we're focusing it in the wrong direction. Like the things that should be easy – are like being yourself <laughs> like mm-hmm. getting to getting to express your reality in the world getting to and like that stuff is so hard because of the world we live in the yeah. stuff that probably should be hard is like building a business that employs people and like does all these cool things like that's hard even like making your art that's hard sometimes <laughs> like yeah. these really yeah. worthwhile things we're doing it's okay that they're hard mm-hmm. but it's just like the world around us makes the stuff that i think can and should be easier just like loving ourselves loving each other the world makes that so hard that we're like just blaming ourselves when things aren't easy because we can't call out the systems that make the stuff that should be easy really hard
1: that was the tweetable moment
0: yeah i was like oh <laughs> let me just inhale that <laughs> oh we are interrupting this episode with a little message to let you know that we are launching our Creators Caching in course, formerly called the Profitable Content Creators Lab. That's right. Yes.
1: <laughs> Why did we erase I? that question mark, put a period and slap exactly. it on the butt and get it out of here? Yeah. Profitable content creator lab. We we went through a little bit of a a redesign a rebrand of facelift Mm -hmm. last year we pulled it under the notion for magical baddies umbrella universe and now it's creators cashing in with notion for magical baddies as a format and this is my favorite class to teach mostly because it's a, a beast but also because i feel like i literally can pour out my brain and everything that i've learned over the last 10 years and share it with you and the good bad and the ugly in particular how to make a profitable business if you don't have a lot of money to get started with and how to use the content, which is free 99 to get started with. You don't have to have a physical product. You don't have to necessarily be a coach or a service provider. You really can just start making money from scratch on the internet, which is a beautiful thing.
0: And by being yourself and finding and defining that unique intersection, I think that's one of the most exciting parts of the course is that a lot of it is trying to help you get to the root of what it is that you have to say that is unique and that you want to share. Because sometimes you know you have that urge, but you're like, "Ah, I just don't know how to express it totally.
1: I have notebooks and notebooks full of, you know, these exact musings from before I started holisticism of what a, what do I have to share? What do I know? Like, what would anyone want to hear about from me personally? And so I can deeply relate to anyone who maybe is going through that. And I also didn't really want to make a course. I didn't like, you know, when I first started holisticism, I didn't want to be a coach, but I also knew that I was really good at making content as I'm sure many of you listening are. And there's so many ways to make money or to monetize um, your creative process. You don't have to monetize everything you do and all of your creations, but You don't have to just make a course. You don't have to just, you know, slap on a subscriber sub stack. There's a million different ways to have a generative business from the content that you create already.
0: Also, if you joined previously, one of the amazing parts of this course is that you get lifetime access, which is quite a steal. And we technically update it every year
1: it's true yeah it's like if you got to take your college courses every single anytime you wanted to retake them for free and we love when our alumni come back and take class with us it's one of the coolest
0: things (laughs) and we will of course link all the info to more information about this in the show notes and we'll also be hosting a few workshops that lead up to creators cashing in that touch on some of the subjects that we talk about and cover in the course material so keep your eyes peeled for those workshops. We'll be announcing them all over social and in your inbox. So just keep your eyes peeled and we will hopefully see you in there.
1: Class starts March 14th and that gives you about a month to get signed up and it's live. We're doing it live baby from March 14th to March 25th and we'd love to see you.
0: Okay. I kind of have a twofold question. Do you feel like you have a strong boundary on like new social media platforms or is it kind of like a assess as
2: things move? I feel like I have a pretty strong boundary around just like online surveillance. Like I have a pretty strong boundary around like, is this free for me because my behavior is being tracked and sold and I'm being like coerced to buy things as a result. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of where my boundary is. Like to the extent that like I don't even use Google services in my business. Bring in the back most part,
0: Bing. I-
2: <laughs> hey, I mean, Windows just invested so much money in no. chat GPT and like all the open AI stuff to try to make Bing better. So it could happen for you, Wallace. <laughs> Another <laughs> massive tech corporation. Yeah, but I also think to exactly that point, like I'm not a Luddite. I'm not like a true truther. Like I'm not exiting systems. Like my podcast is called Off the Grid, but that's tongue in cheek. Like I'm not going off the societal grid. Right. <laughs> but I really do, again, to that point, like I do try to live out my values. So I live in like a no Amazon household. Like we don't use Amazon. We don't buy stuff on Amazon. I don't have G Suite for my business. I don't Like I don't use Google Calendar. But again, it's like so I use iCal. Like is Apple that much better? Probably like they're just different. Like Apple is maybe exploiting our mineral mineral resources and Google is exploiting our attention resources. <laughs> like I'm not an idealist and I don't think there are perfect solutions. I'm just really invested in helping people see that you don't have to do these things you have to do. My, I believe my actions are symbolic and that I, by sharing them, I can help people see that other options are open to them. So I think I'm pretty off social media in general because I think the model of social media apps is there no matter what app you're on. But does that mean I like de facto write them all off? No, not necessarily. Like I still like to be online. I'm still interested in what my friends are doing. I'm still yeah. like, I'm definitely the person where like my friends text me the TikToks and I try, like I go watch them and I like respond because <laughs> like I want to engage with the the humans in my life. I'm just never going to have the TikTok app on my phone. Well, you need a burner phone. You need a burner <laughs> phone so you can watch Yeah, right? App. That's For me, if I'm going there, I have like a deeper problem I need to work. <laughs> if I have my phone that's like, this is where TikTok and yeah. Amazon <laughs> and Google and Instagram.
1: Like, your shadow side phone yeah it's yeah. like your evil villain phone <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have like Sheen on there too oh, like everything bad you're worst. just like it's that's what's worst. happening uber honestly
2: great <laughs> product idea the evil phone um yeah <laughs> <something> <laughs> Into in <the> it. later. <laughs> it's definitely also like a flip phone and it's like matte black and it's like
1: oh, yeah I it's it's like the razor do you remember those? Yeah. Ugh, those oh, those yeah. were so – I wanted one of those Don't so make razors but... evil, guys. They're <laughs>
0: kind of cool.
1: <laughs> I'm so curious. How do you keep up with your friends? Like, mm. do you feel like this has
2: improved your relationship with your friends? Yes and no. So I, like, really made it hard for myself because mm. I did, like, a one-two punch of, like, I'm going to leave Instagram and then I'm going to move from Chicago to Nebraska.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Yeah, like truly. <laughs> I was like,
2: I'm just going to exit everything, yep. signing off. <laughs> yeah, no. So that was definitely like a challenge. I think I like digitally isolated and then geographically isolated myself. This was also all in 2020. So it's all during the pandemic. Like, That's a lot. So I, it all got like wrapped up together for me. So how do I keep in touch with my friends now? Like I definitely text people, but I'm not a chronic texter. Like I'll text you back in a couple of days. I don't feel any pr- like. Same dude. And people <laughs> I got- don't like it. The people do not like it all the time. Some
0: people really don't like it.
2: Yeah, they really don't. And also like I'm a big fan of a phone call. Yes, I'm going to miss your call three times, but I will always call back and we will eventually <laughs> talk like and it might only happen twice a year. And that's cool. Like I think what's. What's really happened is that I've just really expanded my sense of like what friendship can be and mean. And I used to have what I now see as like a kind of more adolescent idea that friends had to talk all the time. And I Mm -hmm. think that like, as you get older and like your lives change and your geography changes, and also you get to know yourself and you learn that like some of you do want to text all the time and some of you don't, like you just have to be more flexible. And Luckily for me, a lot of my friendships have survived that. And I think it was actually helpful. Like when I left Instagram, there were some people who like we just had a very clear like how are we going to keep in touch without this? And then we figured out what worked for us. Some of them are text friends. Some of them are phone call friends. Some of them are I will come see you twice, once a year, twice. I'm not seeing anybody twice a year. I'll come see you once a year, friends. (laughs) (laughs) I feel really lucky that I've cultivated a lot of friendships where we can be honest with each other and where we all like live in a certain integrity of like, you're responsible for your own self-knowledge and you're responsible for communicating your needs. And with my I would say with my friends, like none of us are out here like passive aggressively doing anything. I always joke that like I you can't passive aggressive me. Like you can do it at me, but I won't, I don't take it up. I'm like you don't engage. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, meh. <laughs> So I'd say like each friendship is different and each friendship, like we as friends give the friendship what it needs. And most of my parasocial relationships fell away on Instagram. Like a lot of those people I'm not close with anymore. And sometimes I really miss that. Like sometimes I really like, have a whole shelf of books I want to give away. And I really love just like putting them on Instagram and sending them to people who like I went to high school with who I haven't talked to in six years, like that kind of stuff. That is like the magic of Instagram to me that like doesn't exist if you're not there. That's what I miss. I miss like, you know, we always joke that like you need to follow that person from high school that you never talked to. But like sometimes you do. Sometimes it's so nice to know they had a baby. Sometimes it's so nice to know that they got this cool job. Mm. I've really been learning that like people circle back. Also, like somebody you haven't talked to, like they return. So life is so long and they do return. And you don't know that when you're younger. Or I didn't know that when I was younger. It's like you're here, you're gone forever. Yeah, exactly. It's (laughs) not true. So I think that's been another big lesson I've learned about friendship you just have to get really clear with what you need and what you can offer and be really honest with people about that and then create a lot of space for things to flex as people's lives change and, and not take it personally when somebody doesn't talk to you for a year and you find out a year later that like they lost a parent and a pet and like a job all at the same time. And of course, they didn't talk, they didn't respond to your texts for nine months and being okay with that because you're okay Definitely. enough, like in yourself and your own value. Or are they just like, we're depressed. Yeah. <laughs> or, Actually, you, know. you don't have to go through life catastrophe. They just like weren't feeling it. They were just like <laughs> Yeah. Too busy watching below deck. <laughs> <laughs> also
0: viable. We love to say sometimes it ain't that deep. And I think my dad always says, and I laugh at this, but so often he's like, it's really not
2: that personal. Like most of what you think is personal is not. It's really not. And so I just was listening to on this note, um, Elizabeth Gilbert was just on Ah. Martha Beck's podcast recently and talked about this exact thing of like coming out of the pandemic, like their phones, like blowing up with people wanting to like connect, connect, connect. And like, always trying to like make a plan, always trying to do the thing. And Elizabeth Gilbert was just like, I just had to tell these people to back off. And like, it wasn't going to happen with me. And basically, she was like, (laughs) I have like three friends now. (laughs) like, Like, that's all I have capacity for. And I don't really want them anymore. And I find that really inspirational, just like really being like, this is who I am. This is what I've got to offer. And I know it's really valuable. And I know other people need more from their friends. And that's okay.
0: I think that's such a cool way to think about there's so many things the pandemic has done to like refocus what's important in our lives and very much so I feel like you hear that about friendship from a lot of people in terms of just bringing to the center what is the most valuable and what you care about and what you want to prioritize and that might mean no new friends or bye-bye some of your current friends not in like a harsh way but Mm -hmm. do you feel like The almost the inverse of Michelle's question that you've had that with social media where you're like, oh, wow, I was engaged in these behaviors that I thought I liked and I thought I was into. And I really believed and maybe they did serve me at that time. But looking back on it now, I really feel so at peace without
2: them. So what comes to mind first is less the behavior and more like, When I left social media, I never ordered another pair of girlfriend collective leggings (laughs) again. (laughs) (laughs) That's not entirely true. I I definitely have ordered some sweatpants from them much more recently. But like great point. It's like a lot of a lot of the objects I thought I desired, I did not desire. I desired Mm -hmm. like the status symbol of posting in those clothes. Like I used to do some brand work with like parade underwear and I really thought I liked them. And let me tell you, I have not worn any of them since I stopped. They were not actually what I genuinely felt comfortable in literally. It's just a comfort. And I think that like, for me, it was less behaving in ways I realized weren't true to me, but it was deeper than that. Like my desires were being shaped by Mm. these platforms. What I wanted was being influenced. And that is Like to me, the root of all evil, like that that's what these capitalist, white supremacist, patriarchal systems we live in are always trying to do. They're trying to get us to desire different things and believe those are our desires. And that's really where I was like, oh, no, this is not good. And it happens like for me with with things, but like with careers, Mm -hmm. with human beings. I think when you were also just to keep referencing this conversation with Kate, like I spent five hours listening to it yesterday, so I'm really familiar with it. But <laughs> it's very fresh. Um, she was like, <laughs> very fresh. I really enjoyed it, but she was like, "Do any of us actually desire the guy from the 1975? No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, right. it, it's pernicious. Right. It really does. Right. It gets us. So I, th- I think that that's what's really shifted for me like that's where i was like oh now i can actually start to get in touch with what i actually desire yes because i'm not so influenced it's like
1: compulsory heterosexuality right, right. where you're just yes. that's because everyone's sort of like pushing it on you all the time that like this is cool and this is what you should want you're like i guess i really want big bud brand yeah. yeah. like i guess I that's what them. i really 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 want yes and
0: i'm like no i don't i don't actually want those things i feel like especially with the image of the nuclear family as well or or just kids maybe um like the image of that on social media and what that means and how that affects how people think they need to live their lives and what they want versus maybe connecting to that true desire whole other rabbit hole.
2: Yeah, it's so true. And I think that like just the note, maybe I'll end this on is like leaving social media helped me get a lot of clarity in my personal life and my my desires and my friendships and like what I need and in that sphere of my life. And that honestly allowed me to be way more strategic in my professional life and to make choices that were A, more aligned with my values, but B, just actually aligned with my capacity and how much energy I have and aligned with like my special skills, like the things I'm really good at, like I'm really good at podcasting. And so I have multiple podcasts. For my business, like I have the time and energy for that. And just similarly to what we were just saying, like when I left social media, my personal network, like my personal friendships kind of shrank and solidified. But now my professional network, I have very like strategically grown it and it's way bigger than it used to be. And that's where now my parasocial relationships live. They live in this like beautiful ecosystem of people that I make podcasts for, who recommend me to other people, who invite me to do things like because I'm not so busy doing that, just like on my Instagram, I'm doing it in a way that's like really working for my business. Mm. And that is supporting me financially and supporting me creatively. And then in my personal life, I have other creative projects that never see the light of day because they can just be personal. And so I think the other thing that's happened is like leaving social media has helped me just like see the different areas of my life as different. I don't feel like everything is so muddled in the same space. Yeah. And then once I can do that, then I can actually integrate them in more meaningful and beautiful ways instead of just constantly being confused about like, is this for me? Is this for the internet? Is this for Instagram? Should I share this? Am I <laughs> going to get canceled? Is it going to be too much? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore. I'm like the bounds of everything are so much clearer and contained. And, mm. and with that, like that clarity to me is everything like that's that sort of clarity, I think it's probably one of the clearest seeds of the success that I've been able to find in softer sounds and in off the grid and in these more like work things that I've been doing and sharing. Mm. I love that at the start of the year I joined a a group
1: accountability group for meditation for morning practice, and the the mantra is keep it clear, Mm. and that's just like that's what the name of the group on WhatsApp. It's not on social media. That's what we do. We do it on WhatsApp. It's such a beautiful reminder to come back to like, okay, keep it clear. What do I need to do to keep it clear? And it is so obvious. And I feel like that's, that's exactly what you're mm-hmm. saying. Like you, you just have to come back to that. Like what's your work? Mm. Because your work, capital W work, is the work that you do every day, right? Like that leads you to your work. So how can you stay as clear
2: as possible so that you can do your capital W work? I agree with that so much. Yeah. The work you do every day is your capital W work. So if you're looking around and all you do every day is social media, but social media is not your capital W work, (laughs) there's a real misalignment. It is working on you. Yes, it is working on you. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Oh,
0: Amelia, I have so many more questions. So we got to have a part two. I'm just
2: saying. (laughs) Gladly. (laughs) Normally, people really want to know more specifics. Like I like jamming with you two on like the philosophy of it all. But like Mm -hmm. if you want to know like what's my five-step plan for leaving social media, it's on Off The Grid Podcast. Go listen. Perfect.
0: Please tell all of the wonderful listeners how
2: they can connect with you, all all the many things that you're doing. Yeah, so you can find... Me at SofterSounds.studio on the internet, put it in your... Bing.com. <laughs> yeah, put it in Bing.com, <laughs> SofterSounds Studio. <laughs> but that's where you'll find all of Softer Sounds podcast offerings. It's also the home of my podcast, Off the Grid, which is about leaving social media without losing all your clients. So it's for folks who want to leave socials, but also want to run a successful business. It's also for people who want to launch a business without social media. The first like five episodes of that are really just a mini course in how to do all of this. I've got a free leaving social media toolkit that goes along with those episodes, so you can find that at softersounds.studio/slash by i g b y e i g and that's kind of the best place to find me. Like there's, I have a podcast about podcasting called The Softer Cast. I have a baby personal project that's a tarot podcast called My Tiny Tarot Practice. Really just like go to Softer Sound Studio and and explore. There's lots there to find. I love that you have more podcasts than us. Yeah. It
0: makes
1: me feel good. <laughs> oh my Michelle's gosh. Michelle's immediately slightly competitive. She's like, no, 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 no. It's making me feel I'm good. I'm, I'm feeling better. Yeah, it's really, you know... Anything can be a podcast if you believe in yourself. If you'll say it out loud, <laughs> exactly,
0: <laughs> exactly. That's true.
2: <laughs> but guys, it's a lot of work. You could literally could not do it without Amelia. There would be none. <laughs> oh, the other thing I didn't mention is I taught a whole class on this in the Liminal Library. So go yeah, get yes. into the Liminal Library and take my class because you can learn it all there and stay in the beautiful Holisticism community. Bang, bang, boom, baby. We'll we'll put the link.
0: Amelia, this was so wonderful. Thank you for sharing your genius that is, you know, can't be contained in this one pod as exemplified by your universe that you've created. So thank you for being here with us.
2: Thank you both. It's been a blast.
0: Hope you enjoyed the episode. (laughs) And we have to have Amelia back on because we did not even get into what her strategies are for all the different ways that she likes to market off social media. And she kind of teased them. And this is an ongoing conversation.
1: Yeah. And I think that one of the bigger takeaways too is you don't need a million people, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to see your work in order to have a successful, thriving, creative business. You just need the right people and to find the right people. And that's totally possible. Like it's possible for us. It's possible for you, my friend. So yeah, I hope you're heartened by this episode and inspired.
0: We'll see you next week. Back with a brand new episode on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.